This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. Today at Nebraska Christian Schools in our studio, we have a guest. His name is Mike Essen. Welcome to the program, Mike. Hi, Gordon. Thanks. Mike is the lead pastor at Highland Park Church in Columbus, and he had the opportunity this morning to preach to our students here at Nebraska Christian Schools. We, we greatly appreciate that. Mike, could you tell us a little bit about what's happening up at Highland Park in Columbus? Maybe just some of the activity and what you guys are excited about. Yeah, right now it's uh, the end of the harvest season, and we're actually excited for this weekend having our annual harvest banquet which will be good for our church family to come together. And so as a church, we're excited about that a time of worship and kind of reflecting on what God has done the past year. And, and so um, that's kind of what's uh, currently happening. So, Good. Mike, the message that you brought to the students today out of James, why is that message so important specifically for students who, who would maybe attend a Christian school? Yeah, I think one of the uh, the dangers for Christians especially is becoming a bit too familiar, I guess, with coming before the Word. I was thinking about it with students. If they hear a sermon on Sunday, they hear another in chapel on Wednesday if they go to a Christian school, and it become where it becomes just your task. I listen to a sermon. I check it off a list of things to do that week, and, and the, the message that I was trying to challenge them with, and it's a challenge to my own heart, is approaching it carefully, the Word of God, being the Word that brings uh, sanctification. It's how God grows us through His Spirit who works through the Word of God. And so uh, looking at James, where James talks about not only preparing for coming to the Word, preparing properly with a repentant heart, but then remembering that God's purpose in the proclamation of His Word and the reading of His Word is to respond in obedience. And so um, that's what James says, being a doer of the Word and not merely a hearer. I know in my own past going to a Christian school, it's easy to just uh, kind of hear the Word, and it's another chapel sermon, and just kind of move on with life and knock it off the list of things to do that week. And so just the danger of that and trying to warn them about that. With that, let's join Mike with today's message. For our scripture reading this morning, we had Psalm 119, because that's going to be our topic this morning is the Word of God. This morning in James 1, not specifically the Word itself, but our response to it, how we as Christians, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, how you are to approach the Word of God. And I would ask you this question as we begin this morning, and we'll be in chapter 1 of James, verses 19 to, we'll probably go down to verse 25, just in our brief time this morning, is when you come to the Word of God, do you approach it carelessly or carefully? When you come to the Word of God, are you casual? Are you careless? Is it, here's another sermon, here I am at church again, here I am at chapel again, we're opening up the Scriptures, here I am in my own time, opening up the Bible to read it, and you approach it with kind of a casual, let me just get through this attitude, or are you careful with it? God has certain expectations of His children when we approach the Word, and that's what we're going to see in James chapter 1. Some of the section very familiar probably to many of you. Look at verse 19, and we'll read down to verse 25. James writes this, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, 
not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. James is giving us in this section, a, the epistle of James about is a, looks at genuine faith. What does it look like to be a genuine Christian? Where your religion, your faith is the real thing, it's not counterfeit. And in this section, James is saying it's going to show how you respond to the Word of God. And specifically, we're going to see this morning, it's in how you prepare for the Word, and then your response to it. When the Word is taught, when the Word is read in a small group, in a teaching setting. And again, you guys could think through it. I mean, even, in fact, think through this morning, maybe after the, the message, and as you think about the Word this morning, how many sermons do you hear a year? You probably hear a lot from church, from chapels. And how do you respond? God has certain expectations of you and of me for coming to the Word and responding to it. And we're just going to see, just briefly, again, two, two essential steps this morning for carefully approaching the Word of God. Two steps for carefully approaching the Word of God because James presents for us kind of a how-to booklet on listening to the Word of God, on reading the Word of God, and it's very helpful and very necessary for us as Christians. If you're taking notes for an outline, you could say it this way, verses 19 through 21, firstly, what's the first step? You, you prepare repentantly, prepare repentantly to approach the Word of God. And let me ask you a simple question, maybe some feedback here. When I, when I say repentance, what am I talking about? Turning away from the activity of sin, you said? Previous sin, yeah, exactly. It's turning away from it, it's, it's pu- putting into practice righteousness, and that's exactly right. And we see that James has instruction for us in preparing for the Word of God. Think about in life all the things that you prepare for. If you have a sporting event, you practice, 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 you prepare. You have a test coming up, you, you study and you study hard so that you can ace that test. In fact, this morning, some of you probably took showers and got prepared for school. Some of you, maybe you didn't. That's between you and the Lord. (laughs) We prepare for a lot of things in life, but do you prepare for time in the Word of God? Do you approach it carefully? And James says it here in verse 19, My beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He focuses their attitude, and the attitude is to be one of, of having a focused preparation for the Word of God. You can maybe break this first point into two points. It's one, be focused. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Don't come to the Word of God wanting your, your opinions, your convictions, what you think about things. Come saying, I want to be quick to hear God's Word, which means I'm going to be slow to speak. That quick to hear, the idea of, of not simply coming to the Word and going, maybe I'll get around to paying attention to the speaker. Maybe I'll get around to really focusing on the word that I'm reading this morning. James says to his readers and to us, no, you need to be quick to hear the word, which means you need to be slow to speak. How can you understand the word? How can, you, how can the spirit work when you're going, I got my own presuppositions, I got my own opinions, I have my own convictions, I don't need to hear this. Or even in our context, many times you could say, I've heard James chapter 1 preached before, I don't need to hear this. I already know this. James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. And the third preparation here on being focused is slow to anger. And this one kind of catches us off guard because you think, where does anger come from? Is this kind of a random, hey, Christian, don't get angry? Well, I think in the context here, James is saying specifically is don't respond with bitterness towards the Word of God. Coming into it, hiding, holding on to sin, concealing sin, coming to a time, maybe a personal time, coming before a sermon and saying, I have sin, and I do not want to repent of it. I like it. I love it. And James is saying, 
when the word comes to bear on that, on your soul, on your sin, you get angry. And this isn't an outburst of anger. This is that subtle bitterness, frustration, a deep resentful anger. And that would be directed at God. And James is saying, be slow. And he says in verse 20, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. To properly prepare for the word of God, you need to turn from these things. Don't come in with your own ideas. Come in with your own, again, as I've said, convictions. Here's what I think, and James with his readers would have been dealing with this, people that came in with going, well, you say that about God's word, but here's what I believe. And James is saying you need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think about this with the, when the word of God is presented, because you may sit there and be uncomfortable and say, well, I, I'm not angry at God. When I hear the word, maybe it's something that I don't necessarily agree with. Well, I'm not angry with God. I might be angry at you. You're, you're the guy preaching, or I'm angry with the person who comes to me with truth and confronts me on my sin. And that's exactly where I think this practically is played out. Is an anger directed at somebody, maybe it's a peer, maybe it's, I think in a student context, often of your parents. Those of you who have believing parents who love you and they call you on sin or they try to protect you and what's your response? Is it anger? It's a bitterness. It's a resent. How dare they put this limit on my fun? How dare they say for me to do this? How dare they call me on my sin? I'm right. They're wrong. And I think that's an application here of what James is saying. Because you may say, well, I'm not angry at God. I'm angry at my parents. You're angry at God. Because they're the authority that God has placed over you. And if they know the Lord, they lovingly are coming to you with the word. In fact, even if they aren't, they still are the authority. Even if maybe they're even wrong, you still have an obligation to honor them, to obey them. And that's for all the authority that comes and, and brings the word to bear on your life. And so James talks here about preparation, being focused. And then in verse 21, in terms of preparation, he says, secondly, and this is kind of our main point here, is be repentant. Prepare repentantly is kind of the main point. Not only do you need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, Look at verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You cannot come before the word of God with the sin in your life saying, this is my sin, I love this. James says you need to strip it off. That word there for putting aside is to take off clothing, the idea of dirty garments, taking them off, replacing them with clean garments, clean clothes. James says when you approach the word, you need to put those aside. All filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, he says. Students, we are sinful people. I hope you understand that. The Word of God not only says that, but we know from our own experience as we examine our hearts, we see our thought life, we see our actions, we know we're sinful. And James is calling us when we come before the Word to say, to examine our hearts. To say, Lord, show me. Lord, is there sin in my life? Lord, where am I being selfish? Where am I being disobedient to you? Because if you come before the word saying, this is my sin, I'm okay here, the word won't penetrate your heart. You're coming in with a cold heart in rebellion against God. And James says, you need to put that aside. All that remains of wickedness, you could, if you have an ESV translation, it says excess of wickedness. It's the idea that we have a lot of sin. We are sinful people. James says, repent, put it off. And what's the attitude you're to replace it with? Humility. I love what he says here. You take it off in the positive side. In humility, receive the word implanted. It's a wonderful picture here. It's the opposite of being angry. It's, it's not the anger that we talked about in verse 19 and 20. It's the teachable, humble, gentle attitude. Saying, God, teach me, even if it hurts. 
Even if you confront me on my sin and I feel the conviction of the Spirit and I need to make things right and I need to sacrifice my own pride, Lord, I'll do it because, God, I want to obey you. You're in a great place if you come in with that attitude for the Word to impact you through the Spirit of God. And this is so important. He says, in humility, receive it. Welcome it. Maybe by a show of hands this morning, let me ask you this question. How many of you would call yourself a germaphobe? Anybody here this morning? You just... Some of the, 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 the teachers are admitting it. That's good. <laughs> Faculty. How about you students? Like, say I had your favorite food right here, and I just threw it on the ground and then stepped on it. Would you eat it still? Most of you are saying yes. Ladies? Okay. What about if I just threw it on the ground? You guys are like, oh, I'll eat anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> some people are like five-second rule. Some people are like five-minute rule. Um, some people are like, there's no rule. I'm not touching it. You know, you know if you are a germaphobe or not. I was thinking about this with, you know, for me, I'm not, I don't think I'm a germaphobe. I, I, I could drop something, pick it up, eat it. Here's my problem, though, is when I go to a fast food restaurant or like a, any place with greasy hamburgers or greasy food, I cannot stand afterwards having the greasy hands. It just drives me crazy. When my wife and I go out on a date night or we're out, I'm always, before we go pay for it, I'm always right into the bathroom to wash my hands. She's like, are you going to wash your hands? I'm like, yeah, because I cannot move on with my life. With this grease is just, ugh. That's why it's hard for me to eat in the car, you know. Uh, let's go for a drive. We'll eat a Big Mac and go for a drive. No, we're stopping. We're eating the Big Mac. Then we're going. After we wash our hands, then we're going. It's uh, prepare properly here. But I think of that illustration with what we're talking about here where James is saying, you can't move on with the word. You can't move on with listening in a good place to a message or reading the word without getting rid of that sin, getting rid of that dirt, that grease, what's filthy, the, the excess of wickedness, James says. You need to get rid of it. You need to take it off, confess it, repent of it. Then in humility, you can receive the word. Then you can welcome it. Then you're in that humble, teachable place where the Word of God will take effect and grow you. And that's exactly what James says here, verse 21, which is able to save your souls. James, why is it so important for me to to embrace the Word, to welcome the Word, to receive it with a teachable attitude? Because it's the Word which saves your souls. He says, firstly, it's implanted there. You see that in verse 21. That's the idea of the gospel taking root in your life. That if you are indeed a child of God, you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repented of your sins, embraced Him as your Savior and Lord, the gospel has taken root in your life. And he says, if that's you, then you're to receive it humbly. And it's the Word which is able to save your souls. The idea here is growth. I don't believe James is referring specifically here to conversion, though that's true. It's through the Word of God that you're saved. But he's referring here, it not only saves you initially, it continues to deliver you from sin. That's why when you guys have chapel here on Wednesdays, the Word of God is taught. Because it's through the Word that God sanctifies, sets apart His children from sin to holiness. That's why the Word is taught. The Spirit works through the Word of God. And that's what James is referring to here. And it's so important that you come and you say, I come repentantly, I come with a humble heart because you know what? I want to grow. I love Christ I want to grow in my faith. Therefore, I'm going to come. I'm going to prepare myself for the hearing, the reading, the teaching of God's Word because I want to grow. And I hope that's your heart. I hope that's your passion as a child of God. I think secondly, a second step this morning, and this is where we come to a very familiar portion of Scripture. 
We're to prepare repentantly. But secondly, in verses 22 through 25, practice obediently. Practice obediently. Maybe some of you, maybe even in high school here, you are taking a, a language class. I know in high school for me it was I took three semesters of Spanish. Guess how many Spanish words I know? Zero. Three semesters is quite a bit. And I, I think I got A's and B's in those classes. Now, could I call myself a fluent Spanish speaker? No. What was the purpose of those classes? Was the purpose, and, we, and you, as a student, you'd say, well, the purpose was get an A and get out. But what's the real purpose behind a foreign language class? Learn the language, or at least get the tools to learn it thoroughly later. That's the whole purpose of taking that class, and I failed miserably. I got an A, but the whole purpose was to learn the language, and I didn't. We can't do that with the Word of God. When we come before the Word, we can't come to say, I'm here to be a spectator. I'm here to hear a sermon and say, go Jesus, go Bible, yay. That was fun. Mark it off my list of things I did today. I listened to a sermon in chapel. I'll listen to another one Sunday. I'll listen to another one next Wednesday. I'm a good Christian. If that's the extent of your response to the Word of God, you're in disobedience a friend of mine said it this way, and it's so helpful. He said, appreciating the Word of God is not applying the Word of God. We need to be careful there. Many of us would say, I appreciate the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I love when it's taught. I love listening to a good message. But you don't apply it, then you miss the whole point. Just like I did with my Spanish class. I may have got the A, but I missed the entire purpose of the class. We can't do that with the Word of God, and James points that out here. He says to his readers, verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. James says that Christians, genuine Christians, those who possess genuine faith are those who are doers of the word. They respond in obedience. It's that simple. This is the practice of their life. They hear the word, and they respond in obedience. As it's often said, if there's a command, they obey it. If there's a promise, they embrace it. It's looking at the word and saying, God, what do you have for me through your spirit as you work in my life? That's what it means to carefully approach the word of God, is to be a doer. To come repentantly and to come and say, I need to leave this room changed this morning, not because it was a great message, but because the word of God was taught. The word of God was preached. And it was my meditation all the day. And it's how I want to live my life for the glory of God in obedience. We cannot be those who, James points out here in verse 22, merely hearers who delude themselves. That's a scary place to be. As I said earlier, it's the, yeah, I heard what you said. And I marked off my to-do list, chapel this morning, Sunday morning, devotions, quiet time, whatever you want to call it. If you're merely hearing or merely reading and not responding, you're not in a good place. You need to repent of that because that can be scary because James says you're deluded in your thinking. You're deceived. You think you're religious. You think that you're, you're doing what God wants of you and you're not because God wants obedience. God wants holiness of his children. And the way we do that is by responding to his word in obedience and being a doer of the word, not merely a hearer. One author said it this way, and he said it strongly. 
Our churches are filled with spiritual sponges who soak up information, sit sour, and eventually stink. You know the idea of a sponge that you fill it as you wash dishes and it gets all the dirty, gross germs, again, the germaphobe thing. It gets all the filth, and if you don't wring it out, it just stays there. And a day later, you go, what is that smell? Well, it's the sponge. It's still filled with all that stuff, and if it's wrung out, if it's applied, then you're in a good place. If it just sits in there, and you have head knowledge, and I could give you a Bible exam, and you could ace it, that doesn't necessarily mean you're honoring the Lord in your life. You need to apply it. You need to have an obedient response being a doer. And James has an illustration for us. James, who always in this epistle does, he compares it to a man who looks in the mirror. He says in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgot what kind of person he was. This man, notice a couple things about this. This is a man who looks at a mirror and the point is, and the implication of this is, he looks at the mirror and does see a problem. The, the, the illustration here is not that he was too brief. The man looked at the mirror. The man saw that he needed to do his hair. He needed to get those weird crusty things out of his eyes before he went out in the world. He knew that he really needed to brush his teeth. I mean, it, it, the man saw the problem. The point is, as James says here in verse 24, he looks at himself and gone away. He has immediately forgotten. That's the issue. The man does nothing with it. He looks at himself. He sees that he needs to change something about his appearance as he prepares for the day. And he doesn't. He forgets. He gets distracted. You could say he's careless. He's forgetful. It's appropriate to the person who comes before the Word of God. And even maybe even this morning, you're, you're feeling conviction by God's Spirit. You're saying, wow, that was convicting well, you're still not to repentance. Don't leave here students going, wow, I feel spiritual. There's sin in my life. I feel that conviction. Repent. Get rid of the sin. Replace it with holiness. Honor the Lord. Obey Him. we got to be careful even with that to say, well, I felt conviction, but that good for me. Now I feel spiritual. You need to respond. You can't leave it being careless and forgetting and just moving on with your life and saying again, check I had my sermon for the day. James on the positive side in verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. What's the positive side? What's the man who does, who is a doer of the word? This man looks at it, and the, the point of the, the illustration, he abides in it. He perseveres. He obeys, even when it's difficult. He doesn't, he's not content with conviction. He's saying, I feel conviction. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Now I want to replace this. I want to grow in holiness. I want to change this aspect of my life because, God, I've been in a bad place. Please forgive me. He doesn't forget. He's not careless. He understands the seriousness of the Word of God, and he responds to it. That's the illustration here. If you were to even go into more detail, he looks at the mirror, he sees the problem, he fixes it. That's what this man does. He practices obedience in his life. He doesn't simply go away and forget. And James here describes the Word of God and in a great way. He says here he looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. The Word of God brings freedom. It takes us from the bondage of sin. The truth will set you free, Jesus said, John 8, 31 and 32. 
That's the idea here. We often think of law and we think, oh, it's just rules. Well, the Word of God, it, it's the Word that separates us from sin when we obey. It's the Word which allows us to walk in holiness and honor the Lord who we love, the Lord who we serve. And this is so important for us, that we be doers. In fact, if you're even to go further in this, in this, in, in this chapter, look at verses 26 and 27. James almost, he goes from a picture and an illustration to almost a real-life illustration in these verses. And these could be a whole sermon in themselves, but just notice what he does here. Verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James says, here's what real religion looks like. It's the man who's a doer. What does doing the word, living it out look like? Well, he bridles his tongue. He doesn't deceive his own heart. He doesn't say, I know Jesus Christ and yet is a constant gossiper. I know Jesus Christ and yet what comes out of my mouth is foul language and trash talk. He bridles his tongue. What else does he do? Well, in the pure and undefiled religion, he cares for those who are in a helpless position, visits orphans and widows. Those who have great need, he loves them, he cares for them, he serves them. That's real religion, James says. Lastly, to keep oneself unstained by the world. He's not worldly. He has rejected the world. He loves Christ. He loves the Father. And so he doesn't love the world and its values and the evil system of the world. James says that's the person who's a doer of the Word. They understand the Word of God and they respond to it. And that's an appropriate response that he describes there. It's, it's not fake religion. It's not a facade. It's genuine religion in the sight of God, James says. Going back to where we began this morning, Psalm 119. And if you ever have, are, are wanting more about the Word of God, just sit down and read Psalm 119. A wonderful psalm. The author wrote it this way as we close this morning. Psalm 119, 4, four through 8. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. That we would have that same response, that we come before the Lord and say, God, I'm not here just to listen to a message. I'm here to respond to the Word, to respond in obedience, so that when I come before your Word, I'm not ashamed because I see where I've sinned, because I see where I haven't been a doer. I've been merely a hearer that we would have an attitude like the psalmist there. As you consider those things, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that it is the perfect law, the law of liberty, that God is the word that delivers us from sin. It's the word, as James said, which is able to save our souls. Father, it's so amazing that we have your word. What a privilege it is that for these students and that generations in the past haven't had. They can hear the word taught. It's so accessible, even if it's in chapel or if it's even through audio on the computer. Lord, there's so many ways we can hear the word of God taught clearly. And Father, I pray that the familiarity we have with that would not cause us to be careless. Father, I pray that as your children, those of us who love you and know you, Father, that we would carefully approach your word Understanding that it's the amazing word that has brought regeneration, that has brought salvation. It's the word which God continues to change us and transform us. 
into the image of Christ. Father, do that this morning. May all of us leave these doors this morning wanting to be doers of the word, wanting to live it out, doing it not because we want people to be impressed by us, but Father, we want to please you because we love you, because God, you are the wonderful God who has graciously saved us. Father, I pray by, by your spirit, work in these students this morning through your word. I thank you for each and every one of them. I thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. And I pray these things in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Mike Essen. He's a lead pastor at Highland Park Church in Columbus, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Thank you.